0: You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel.
1: who's your fans and welcome to another episode of the grace burger show a production of assembly call on the back home network this is our sixth of 12 episodes throughout the season and as we give you more insight into the iu women's program the number five ranked iu women and coming off of a big victory yesterday at mackie Rand. we'll talk a little bit about that later in the episode and also to our to our show's host Grace Berger, a chance to get to know her a little better. I'm your host Jeff Marlowe and alongside Grace, tonight's episode is an AMA, Ask Me Anything episode and we will also look back at the last four games. As I mentioned, exciting wins over Maryland and Purdue and as we record this on January 17th, we learned just before recording that Wednesday's game with Michigan State has been postponed. Grace's schedule is pretty fluid right now. and I just want to thank her for taking some time For this episode. Grace, welcome to the show again. And a chance, you know, here's a chance. Do you have anything opening you'd like to say? I I fumbled that around.
2: No, yeah. I mean, um, it's been a few weeks since we've talked, and we've obviously had a lot of things going on um, off the court with injuries and COVID and whatnot, but we've had a couple of really big wins too. So, yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about it.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't seem that long. I was looking back. The last one we did, I believe, was G- uh, December 30th. And I couldn't believe mm-hmm. when it was it, it seemed that long. But yeah, uh, yeah, you guys have played well. The team has played well and, and as well. So I'll kind of get us into our first question here tonight. And this comes from Quang, and he, it kind of, uh, uh, he, he qualifies as the stupid question of the day. I think you guys can win it all. What about you? And obviously I think you would think you do have a chance, but just maybe what is the, what, uh, how do you guys approach some of the talk or at least what's the mindset inside the program about, you know, and we've talked a little bit about this before about you want it. That's the ultimate goal is to win a national title. So just maybe kind of to a certain degree, you know, Quang, answering Quang's question with just, you know, how you guys feel as you're progressing toward that goal.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think first off every team in the country probably says their goals to win a national championship, but I think, um, we see it, you know, now more than ever as a realistic chance, um, just, you know, being a few baskets away from final four last year. And then we've been playing some of the, you know, final four contenders this year so far and competed with every single one of them, um, have been able to beat a couple of them obviously here recently. So, um, I think, you know, it's one thing to talk about it in the past. Maybe we've we've had it as a, you know, goal that's kind of far out there. But I think now that we've seen um, us compete with the top teams in the country, um, you know, we know the players we have on the court, you know, we, we're really confident um, every time we step on the court that we can win a basketball game, that we can beat anybody um, on any given night. So I think you know, just the recent success that we've had, I think, gives us confidence um, that that's something that if we keep getting better, obviously, we have a long way to go um, that we can reach um, come March and come April.
1: And do you sometimes feel like you you went to Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Wisconsin, but a team that's been struggling but do you feel like you guys, I hate to say a bullseye, but do you feel like you get a team's best effort, maybe like a Wisconsin that record-wise has not been having a good season, but yet wants to wants to be, come out and say, hey, I use in town tonight. We want to play well and maybe pull the upset.
2: Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think we have a – you know, we came into the season having a huge target on our back, and then now that we're um, obviously leading the Big Ten standings, I think we're the team that, that people are really chasing, um, every team in the league, so every single night – You know they're going to come out aggressive. They have nothing to lose. Maybe they're doing things that they don't normally do, making shots um, that they don't don't normally you know even take or make. So, um, you know I've been in that position before, maybe early on in my career, where I was chasing the Maryland's, the Iowas, um, you know the Michigan's teams like that. So you know I can kind of understand it from their perspective, and now it's kind of cool to be on the other side of it. But also you know that you have to come ready every night um, in the Big Ten, regardless of you know your opponent's record.
1: And speaking of which, you guys are six and zero in the Big Ten. You're off to an end, you know a good start. Have you had a chance to follow much of the action going on around? Michigan has played well, as you mentioned. Uh, in fact, went into Maryland yesterday and really played well. Uh, mm-hmm. But so, have you had a chance much to follow some of the teams in the Big Ten as, as closely now as you've gotten into the Big Ten season?
2: Oh yeah, I mean we always have the games on um, whether we're on the bus, whether we're traveling on the road. Um, it's always something that's on in the background. And even if we, you know, miss a game, um, in practice or whatever, we're always looking at the scores, um, after the game, just kind of keep up with it. Um, and then we're already really familiar with the teams just from Mm, scouting them in years past. So I think, um, you know, we follow along to the records and the scores and all that, obviously, but, um, we really, I think know a lot about them, especially, you know, us that have been here for three, four years.
1: And so I'll go on to our next question. Um, this comes from Sean. and It's kind of a, he it was really more of a comment than, but I thought it led into a great question. He said his daughter is 10 and just started her first year of 10, 10 foot high hoops, five on five. And just kind of wanted to, I kind of thought it was a good question. Made. For the young hoopsters out there, the girls who want to follow in the Grace Berger footsteps, what was it like? Do you remember what it was like when you started playing on a 10 foot rim? And And, and what kind of advice would you give to Sean's daughter?
2: Um, I mean, I, I kind of always put on a 10 foot rim, just having older siblings who were doing so. So in my backyard, it was obviously always set to 10. Um, and I think, especially in today's day and age, the the most important advice I'd give about that um, is not, you know, starting in close to the basket. Um, at, at that age, it's not important to be able to hit a 10 foot, 15 foot jump shot, but really being able to have you know the correct form. So maybe if you're not strong enough to get out there, I think that causes some people to have bad forms as they grow up, bad shooting forms. So I think just focusing on the basics, um, even things outside of shooting um, for that age, dribbling, um, um, defense, and then um, like I said, just having that touch around the basket, I think is something that um, you know might not help you now, but down the road it will for sure.
1: Yeah, the three-point line. As much as I love it, as both a player and a coach, it, I didn't have it when I played. But it was—I I, think—I would have loved it if I'd had it. But it just, it's like a magnet. It just seems to drive I me. Mean, I go and watch the little kids just—you know—go out there, and it's like—you know—everything they can. Yeah. So I—I yeah. I, I think you're giving some great advice. Just curious, do you remember what it was like the first time you played in a five-on-five league?
2: Um, I mean, yeah, I've been playing in five-on-five leagues since I was in you know second, third grade. Um, I was always, you know, tall for my age, so I always kind of played up. Um, And I remember playing with boys a lot. So I think, um, you know, playing up and playing with boys were two things that, um, you know, really pushed me from an early age just to want to get better um, and fall in love with the game. Um, And so, you know, that's pretty much what I remember um, about that, just playing with the guys and playing with girls that were you know, three, four years older than me.
1: I was going to say, I just want to make sure for our listeners, maybe explain just playing up means you played with kids older than you.
2: Right. Yeah. So there were, you know, probably two, three grades older than me is what I was typically playing when I was younger.
1: And so, yeah. And, and I think that's, I can still remember what it was like playing five on five and, and you had to kind of earn your, your, your shots, you know, you didn't usually right. get right off the bat when you were the newbie on the floor that right. you? you were going to get shot. So, did you ever play much like outdoor in the parks or anything in Louisville, or was it more organized by that point?
2: Um, we we all, you know, all of my, um, I had a lot of little guy, <clears throat> little guy friends running around, um, in my neighborhood that were all a little bit older than me, um, and we would all come over to my house in the in the um, rim in the backyard and play. Um, just game, king of the court, one-on-one games, different things like that. Um, and so, you know, I think that's that's really how I first, you know, started to fall in love with the game.
0: The Grace Berger Show is presented by Farrell Wealth. Farrell Wealth was founded by former IU All-Big Ten defensive end Greg Farrell, who is now experiencing IU all over again as a parent with two girls who were juniors in the IU media school, interns at the Cuban Center, and owned their own business. And, you know, Greg learned trust and integrity while playing for legendary coach Bill Mallory, traits he's worked hard to instill in his girls. He also learned how to game plan. Feral Wealth uses these principles to help high net worth individuals and business owners pursue financial success. Wealth planning is their passion, so you can live yours. Their fiduciary plans include investments, insurance, taxes, executive compensation, and charitable giving in this lifetime and beyond. Like any good team, the IU women's basketball team, for example, you need to plan and work the plan. Well, what is your plan? Contact Feral Wealth through all socials at Feral Wealth and their website, feralwealth.com. That's F-A-R-R-A-L-L, wealth.com. Feral Wealth is a proud supporter of IU Athletics. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisory firm, member, F-I-N-R-A-S-I-P-C.
1: And so this kind of takes us, uh, I want to kind of go backwards here a little bit then in terms of the schedule. Uh, go back to the Maryland game. And um, the Maryland game, you guys had never beaten Maryland before. So I know we talked about this before in the last episode. Um, but you you get out of there in overtime with your first win over Maryland just Um, maybe kind of recap the game for us a little bit. And then I, I, I got a couple of questions I want to ask you about, kind of give you a chance to recap the game first.
2: Yeah. I mean, um, first of all, going into the, or or the Maryland game, that's always one that we have marked on our calendar, just because we know that that's, you know, the only team that we haven't been able to beat. Um, and I think, you know, we were 0 and 12, 0 and 11 against them. Um, prior to that, and they were always kind of the team that, since they've come into the Big Ten, that everyone's chasing. So, um, it was a big game for us. Obviously, every game's a big game, but this one was extra special. Um, and then I think the big thing with the Maryland game is we were we were trying to control the tempo of the game. Um, obviously, we were we were shorthanded in that game, but um, a bigger reason is that Maryland likes to play really fast, really up tempo, um, and they really just like to outscore you um, and not as much focus on the defensive end. So our Our big thing was, you know, taking good shots when we have them in transition, but really kind of changing the way we play to um, slow down the tempo of the game, control control the place, because we know that, you know, we're a really good team in the half court. We can we can score in the half court. um, So we didn't really necessarily want to get into a running match with a team that has such um, a such uh, high caliber offense, so much talent and weapons offensively.
1: And if I remember right, Maryland played a little bit of like a half-court trap, maybe a little extended, you know, press on you that I thought you guys handled pretty well, considering, as you mentioned, an athletic team that wants to create tempo.
2: Right, yeah. I mean, we knew coming in um, what they were going to do. They've had that same um, kind of playing style defensively and offensively um, since I got here my freshman year. Um, so, you know, me, Allie, Alexa, we've played against that for This will be our fourth year. So we knew what to expect coming in. I think that's kind of why you saw us um, have some success against it.
1: And I will say, I thought, you know, one of the things I really watched in that game was something you'd mentioned in the last episode. They switch everything basically mm-hmm. one through five. And I thought I was really kind of paying attention to that. So thanks for the kind of the tip on that. That yeah. that was a great one. But kind of go, if you can take us back, I know it's been almost beginning of the month, but mm-hmm. do you remember anything coming out of the huddle in between the end of the fourth quarter and the overtime, anything that was being said as you went out there to fourth into the overtime?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, um, We felt like going into overtime, we felt really good because um, we felt like we had controlled the tempo of the game and and the game was really in our hands. Now it was just, you know, time in those last five minutes in overtime to execute our game plan, run the plays and get the good shots that we wanted. Um, You know, I think we had kind of taken them out of a rhythm at that point. Um, Obviously, they have good players that are going to make plays and we knew that. But we felt like if we just played their tendencies defensively, made them slow down a little bit, and we were able to get any shot we wanted in overtime, so we felt really good um, heading into the end of the game.
1: Yeah, and I felt defensively you guys played really well. I mean, maybe it hit on that a little bit because you held them to 63 in the overtime, and I think they'd been averaging around 80 coming in. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, our, our goal always, um, Coach Warren's goal for us is always to hold teams under 60 points, um, and obviously that game went to overtime, so it was a little bit harder, and that is a very you know ambitious goal, but I think that just – Shows you, you know, our standards don't change whether we're playing Maryland, you know, one of the best teams in the Big Ten or whether we're playing, um, you know, one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. It's always the same. Um, you know, we, we, we scout defense. We feel confident going in that we can, um, you know, take away their tendencies, take away what they want to do. And um, that's what we did against Maryland.
1: Yeah. And, and they have and not only the athletic, they have some big, strong kids. that are all, you know, that are athletic as well. So, yeah. uh, and that was a challenge. And like you mentioned, you guys were, you were down. I think Chloe did not play that game. And mm-hmm. so you were missing a, at least one key person in the rotation and you played 45 minutes in, in an overtime game, according to the official stats, mm-hmm. you and Allie, both uh, mm-hmm. next day were you, you know, were you getting the ice packs out to, to work on the sore aches and pains.
2: Yeah. I mean, we definitely, um, all of us, um, you know, coach is really big on making sure that we take a day off afterwards. Um, at least physically, we were still mentally preparing for the next opponent, but just take a day to kind of rest our legs, um, get in the ice tub, get in the Norma Tech, things like that. Um, but I mean, really we've trained all summer, all our careers. I'm um, all preseason for, for moments like that. So I think, uh, you know, it sounds like a lot playing 45 minutes, but really to, to me and Allie and the people that have, you know, trained our whole career here for that um, and have have done that before, I think um, it, it wasn't as hard in our bodies as you might think.
1: And, and you, that really raises a question I hadn't thought about until you just brought it up that I know I went to a couple of clinics in the past with college coaches that basically men's coaches where they basically talk about how they train basically for four minute segments. Do you guys kind of train for like five minute segments? Cause you know, you're going to get that TV timeout usually around just under the five minute mark.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we do a lot of, you know, obviously basketball is a lot of, you know, going hard as you can for short segments and then getting a lot of breaks in between. So um, our strength and conditioning coach is great. Um, he, he really works on, you know, building up our lactic acid so that when your legs start to feel heavy, you know, hopefully that's not until the fourth quarter, whereas other teams are starting to feel that in the first few minutes of the game. So, um, you know, we'll usually go, like you said, go hard for um, a couple minutes in a workout and then take maybe 30 seconds to a minute off um, to kind of replicate that, that game like action.
1: And so the, you go to Wisconsin and Mm -hmm. you, you get out of there with a, a 76 53 win, but I just, you had a season high 11 assists at Wisconsin. Um, obviously your teammates were making shots when you threw them passes, but was that in that game, was that something they were, you know, taking away your shots? So you just, I want to say just, but you just, you were able to find open people then.
2: Um, I think, I mean, you know, coming into that game, I hadn't shot it well in the Maryland game. Um, And I think I I started off kind of slow in the Wisconsin game. So I think um, my mind kind of switched to how I can get, you know, people like Alexa, McKenzie, Nikki, Ali, who maybe were feeling it a little more offensively than I was that game, how I can get them the ball um, in spots that they want it. So, you know, it wasn't necessarily anything the defense was doing, more just, you know, kind of the feel of the game, the flow of the game, how it was going. Um, And then, like you said, when when you have teammates that can hit shots like that, it's it's not too hard to get uh, that many assists.
1: And I will say, we talked earlier about what kind of advice you give to youngsters. You've mentioned a couple different times. Just there are other things you can do besides right. score. And and there's an example for our youngsters out there. Plus, you also had, if I'm looking at the stat sheet, right, eight rebounds that night. So you were doing things that don't, you know, in the score box, in a, in a paper, people are going to look at the scoring. But right. watching the game, you could tell that you really were playing pretty well. It just wasn't showing up in the box score. But then I'll jump ahead in the Nebraska game. And Nebraska was an interesting team. They'd beaten Michigan and Lincoln. Uh, but they'd lost at Michigan state. I think maybe the same day we talked, I think they may have gotten beat up at Michigan state, which was their first loss, like on the 30th um, Mm -hmm. here, right before we talked or as we were talking. So that to me was kind of a dangerous game. You never, that's one of those teams you never quite know what you're going to get. So kind of take us into the pregame or at least the, the day before, what was kind of the mindset about Nebraska?
2: I mean, we knew Nebraska was a really good team, a really, um, well coached team they're completely you know we blew them out last year when we played here but they're a completely different team they've gotten a couple transfers um, and a couple girls have stepped up in different ways they had a really good freshman post player come in and um, that we knew was going to cause us some problems so um, you know I mean the the parity in women's basketball is at an all-time high so obviously every game um, you know every day throughout the season you'd see ranked teams getting knocked off by unranked teams and different things like that more than ever so um, we, we knew Nebraska was good, but really going into every game, we, we realized that, you know, we have a target on our back. Um, they have a lot of talent. They're Big Ten school. So um, obviously anybody can eat anybody on any given night.
1: And that was the game where we found out Mac wasn't going to play like that morning. I think Coach Moran said you found out. So as you come in for your pregame, your walkthrough and you find out Mac isn't going to play. And I don't want to ask you about her injury because that's none of our, you know, that's, there's HIPAA things and all that involved, even if you did know. So um, just what kind of a mindset did you guys, I mean, is it just, do you verbalize kind of that next woman up mentality or is it just, you guys have such a great program with a lot of kids who have been around now for a couple, three years that you just knew that's what, okay, my turn.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, it's not really necessarily anything that we have to talk about verbalize. We just kind of, realize, you know, like when, when Mac went out, Keandra Brown, um, we, we all knew immediately that, that she was going to step up. Um, like we've seen her do in practice for the past year, year and a half. Um, and and fill that role to the best of her ability. She's going to give us everything she's got. So um, obviously no one person's going to replace McKenzie that, that it's not, you know, we're obviously going to miss her out, out there on the court offensively and defense, defensively. Um, but we weren't worried. We didn't. We didn't flinch because we know that we have really good kids coming off off the bench that might not have as much experience as Mac, but um, can really you know offer us a lot and, and help us win the game.
1: And then you were talking about not shooting it well in the Wisconsin game, but you shot it well against Nebraska. You you finished up with twenty two points six uh excuse me seven rebounds and three assists so a really good all-around game and the team overall you played you know played pretty well kind of a just fourth quarter kind of was a sla- a little sluggish but I can't speak here tonight um but I thought that you know again you a little shorthanded you only played six that night and and so um and you look at the scoring you know everybody kind of chipped in and 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 raised above their season average for the most part
2: Yeah, I mean we had um, Grace Wagner was out. McKenzie was out. So, you know, those are two of our post players that are out right there. So we knew that, um, you know, Chloe Moore McNeil and and myself was going to have to come in and and guard their post players because Nebraska is a team that, that has pretty good size has traditional post players. Um, And and so really, I mean, it was just a team for everybody was going to have to guard the person with the ball, not just that individual matchup. Um, And I, I thought, you know, like you said, every single person did a different thing, whether it showed up in the in the stat sheet or not. Every single person contributed to that win um, in a different way.
0: Support for the Grace Burger Show is brought to you by our friends at Home Field Apparel, where they have one of the most extensive collections of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. And it's not just IU apparel. They have over 100 colleges and universities. And what they do is they go back into history and they pull out old vintage brand marks that haven't been used in a long time, but that still look really cool and that have this really great kind of nostalgic appeal. And they pull them into modern day, and they've created such a great niche because you know, a the, the actual material that their stuff is printed on the shirts, the crew neck sweaters, the hoodies, it's really comfortable. It holds up when it's washed, and then the logos all look just so cool. It's just such a unique niche uh, that they have. Now you can go to homefieldapparel.com. Uh, Again, look through over 40 items uh, of IU Apparel. IU is their original school, and so that's what they have the most of. But you can also browse through all of their other colleges and universities as well. And when you're ready to purchase, if it's your first time there, use the promo code HOME, H-O-M-E. That will give you 15% off your first order. So again, it's homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, for 15% off your first order. Now back to the show.
1: Does that change anything without giving away any specifics? I don't want anybody who might be watching or listening to feel like they get a sky report here, but does that change the way with McKenzie being out? Does that change the way you guys have to guard uh, a little bit or, or a lot?
2: I mean, I think it might hurt us in the sense that McKenzie's so long. um, So experienced and such, such a good shot blocker. Maybe you can pressure the ball a little bit more. Maybe you can guard ball screens a little, little more aggressively, Um, Just because McKenzie is so quick and agile and um, a a really good defender, one of the best in the Big Ten. So um, it it changes a little bit when you have someone that might be a little smaller, um, less experienced back there. Um, But, you know, we're still... Um, you know, just going to, going to play our typical defense and try to win the game on that end.
1: And then here's our last question, really from one of our, from one of our community members, this is from Glenn. And his question is kind of takes us into the Purdue game. What did you see in the team's play against Purdue that encouraged you as you move forward into the heart of the big 10 schedule?
2: Um, I would say just having um, different people step up. I mean, obviously Chloe, I mean, Key and other two ones that a lot of people talk about stepping in and, and, and starting and I'm um, really providing, you know, that spark for us from the jump. But I think having, you know, Grace Wagner come in at the end of the game after, um, you know, being out a couple games and making a huge steal, mm. um, playing great on defense. Um, and then you have, you know, Caitlin Peterson, who who hasn't gotten a whole lot of game action, um, come in in overtime of, of, a you know, intense game like that and really step up to the occasion. I think it just makes us excited. Um, Going forward, when we do get Nikki back, when we do get McKenzie back, um, that we'll have those kids with the experience that they were able to get. And maybe if they have to come into a game later on in the season, we'll have a lot of a lot of confidence and trust in
1: doing that. And you mentioned Grace Wagner, and I just felt like that play at the end of the game really changed how the game played out by Grace making that hustle play. You didn't have to foul. You you guys had got the ball with the chance to win rather than having to foul and hope Purdue might miss free throws. And so, just maybe, is there anything you can add to that about you know just a kid like Grace or anybody off the bench? Is you know just tells you a little bit about the program in terms of she was ready. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm just trying to see if there's anything else about Grace we can add in. Here
2: yeah I mean you know the thing I love so much about Grace and obviously she's not the only one is you know she might go two three games in a row where she plays five minutes four minutes or or no minute you know doesn't even see any time on the floor at all but she still comes in every single day um, and gets extra shots up outside of practice she comes in and gives her all um, during practice because you know she is, is just a great model for the younger kids that might not be playing right now that um, you know, you never know when your opportunity is going to come. So you have to continue to, um, you know, get better in practice, um, get better every single day. So then that time does come where we have, you know, Matt go out with an injury or, or Nikki not be able to play, um, that you're ready. So I think grace is just, um, you know, a great role model, um, for kids everywhere, but really for those young kids in our program that, um, you know, you still have a role to play, whether you're playing zero minutes or whether you're playing 30 minutes, um, You can show up and, and, and give your best every single day.
1: And you guys played kind of, you had a lead in the third quarter, but from that point, well, it actually had a lead. I take it back about 45, 44. And then it seemed like you kind of played catch up. You know, you just kind of played for behind there, but with about three minutes to go, they take an eight point lead. Coach Warren calls a timeout. Just maybe if you can take us back into that huddle, if you can, from yesterday. What was kind of the message in that huddle?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think um, the main message was just to stay calm um, and Coach Morin, um, you know, was really, I think, a, bit, a big part of in helping us stay calm because she, she wasn't freaking out. Um, she just reminded us that, you know, as long as there's time on the clock, we can still win the basketball game. Um, you know, we've played against great teams before. We've been in this situation before. Um, it, it's nothing that we can't handle. So she just, you know, gave us a couple of plays to run on offense. Um, we were able to get a couple of easy baskets. Um, and then just, you know, kept urging us to, to you know, sit, sit sit our butts down and guard on defense and get stops because that's what we needed to do at that point in the game. We couldn't afford to get any points. So, um, you know, I think the, the main message was just to stay calm. We've been in this position before um, and, and we're built for moments like that.
1: And and you mentioned Coach Morin staying calm. I, I think that's huge. That was something I had to get better at when I was coaching because when I was younger, I I tend to get you know really worked up into the game. But is she pretty calm most of the time, when or be uh, when you're winning or losing on the scoreboard? Does she stay pre even keel?
2: Yeah, she she stays consistent all the time. Um, obviously, she's a really intense coach. Um, so she does you know show emotions here and there, like all coaches do. But I think, you know, the thing that really helps her stay calm is she has so much trust in us as players, um, especially, you know, me, Allie, Alexa. We've been here four years. Um, so she has a lot of trust in us, um, you know, to, to, to end ball games uh, the way we should, no matter how much we're down. So um, I think that kind of helps her stay calm. And she's been doing it a long time. She's a really good coach. So she knows what we need in that moment, whether it's to stay calm or whether maybe she needs to get in us a little bit and give us a lot of energy.
1: And just toward the end of the game, I don't know if it was a conscious decision by Coach Moran, but you seem to have the ball in your hands quite a bit. In fact, you know, you you almost became like a point forward, point you know, I hate to say point guard because you're not necessarily a true point guard in, in the way they would describe you in terms of positioning on TV. But but you had the ball in your hands. They were setting some ball screens for you. And in fact, the key back, the key three, the alley hit that got you back within one came off of a play that you were able to get in the lane and make a pass out. It, 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 this is going to sound like a dumb question, but is that just something you're comfortable doing? I mean, putting the ball in your hands and, cr- and trying to create something in a situation like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think maybe early in my career, no, but now that I'm a senior and I've, I've been through a lot um, basketball wise, I've been through a lot with coach Moore, and um, I, I want the ball in my hands in those situations. And I think um, she knows that. And she has the utmost trust in me um, with the ball in my hands in that situation. So it makes it, makes me really confident um you know when 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 the clock's ticking down you know to have the ball in my hands and and make the right read um so you know just to have a coach that believes in you so much I think it makes it really easy when the game is on the line to to be confident that you'll make the right read because you you know you have people over there on the sideline that um know you can do it um and, and and trust that you know place that belief in you so I think um, that makes it really easy. And then having people like Allie Pepper, um, when you have the ball in your hands that can come in and make shots, um, when, when you kick it out to her, it also probably makes you makes you look better than you are.
1: Well, that's for for certain anytime, yeah. I think. But anyway, um, I would notice in the timeout. I think it might have been the player they set up for you to get that end up getting you in the lane for the what gave you the lead um coach Rhett was drawn was I believe was either emphasizing something or drawing something up is he more of the kind of the offensive guy as far as on the staff or do they have just all of them can do everything
2: um I mean all of them play a part in everything but coach Rhett is really the one that um end of game situations um like that he's he he has a bunch of plays in his back pocket that he prepares for us um and then we go over a million times in practice so Plays like that, that's not the first time we've ran it. Um we've run it before in practice many times. So um he he he's always the one that that draws a great play up for us. So we feel really good about it um, when we're coming out of timeouts.
1: And I think it was right after you hit that shot. I think Purdue took another timeout and and the TV stayed with it and they were showing your huddle and you could definitely see Allie, and you've mentioned before that Allie's been the leader of every team you've been, been on, but I thought it was an interesting. And I was kind of watching, and I saw Allie talking, but you could tell. I, I think I could see you kind of to the side. You could see kind of the, the back kind of profile of Alexa, but it looked like the three or four of you were having and leading just kind of a conversation in the group just kind of maybe take us through what the, what you were you guys were talking about in that huddle coming out, and I think that was when you were up one and going on defense.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think um, the thing with Coach Morin is she puts a lot of trust in her players to have kind of a player-led team. Um, and we are veterans, um, so we're really confident going into those situations. and um, We've been through it before. Um, so, you know, Allie is our, you know, clear-cut leader, um, vocally and on the court, emotionally, all that. Um, but I think she's also a, a great leader in the sense that she you know, trust me and Alexa and Grace Wagner and Mackenzie Holmes to have input as well. So um, it, it's it's really a player led team. Um, no one person it, it is telling, you know, people what to do all the time. It's kind of, we're all having input, whether you're the 10th person on the bench or, or a starter, we're all having similar input with each other.
1: And you guys have been on a nice streak nine in a row mm-hmm. and you've won uh, five in a row, or excuse me, six in a row. Now Purdue kind of fun to go into a hostile environment against your rival and get out of there. I mean, they had a great crowd gesture. So did that at the end of the day, when you got in the locker room, did it feel, was there a little more satisfaction knowing that you pulled off that comeback against the in-state rival?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, anytime you can beat Purdue, um, I I think it's, it's, it's means a little more than maybe your average game. Um, I think, you know, maybe our younger kids and, and the people not from Indiana don't realize that, but one, the first time you, you step in Purdue, I remember um, playing there my freshman year. You quickly realize um, that, you know, as a Hoosier, you're not supposed to like the, the Boilermakers. So um, in an environment like that where the student section's yelling at you, the, the fans are yelling at you, booing you, um, you know, saying certain chants. I think it's 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 hard to to not make it make that game mean a little bit more and maybe be a little bit more competitive than usual.
0: And
1: I always would told people when I was out trying to get coaching jobs, it'd been hard for me to be in black and gold, I think, because right. of right. my fandom for, for IU. Even though I never played at IU, I just have such a fandom for the game. Um, so today you guys find out that you're not going to play Michigan State on Wednesday. Mm. Um, how does this impact practice? Are you still able to practice or do you guys have to do a little bit, maybe more in smaller groups? Just maybe real quick, explain to people what goes on now with practice.
2: Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll still be able to, to practice um, the people that, you know, obviously are healthy enough to do so. Um, you know, the coaches will still get on the court with us. Obviously, it will be a little bit smaller groups um, than usual. So really, I think the workouts um, might feel a little bit more like like summer workouts where we do work out in, in smaller groups rather than, um, you know, big team practice. So I think um, obviously it stinks not to be able to play games, but I think it is a really good opportunity to kind of work on um, maybe more individual skill sets, just get more one-on-one attention from the coaches and work on things um, that you normally don't get to work on in January, um, just to, um, you know, things maybe you're struggling with and that you need to get better with. So I think it stinks now, but really the individual work that that we'll be able to get in this time might um, actually benefit us down the road.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. And, and -hmm. especially coming off a game again, yesterday you, you played 45 minutes. I think Lex played 44 minutes. I think Allie would have probably been pretty close to 44, 45, except she had a little bit of an ankle injury toward the end of the game. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure there were some tired and sore legs yesterday. Um, Just curious back to the Purdue game real quick. Um, you guys kind of like I said a good crowd it was about as hostile an environment as you've played in on the road for a while right
2: yeah I mean it, it was I think there was eight or nine thousand people there um and not very many of them were for us <laughs> um even though there, there were a few busloads that came up from IU that were they were cheering loud um obviously the majority of people for Purdue um and so it, it was a hostile environment but at the end of the day, I mean, it, it's just awesome to have fans there cheering for women's basketball mm. um, and creating that kind of energy in the building for women's basketball, um, whether they're with you or against you, it's obviously beats playing in an empty gym. So I think. Um, it, it made the game one that I'll remember for a long time, and it was just really a fun environment to play in.
1: Well, and like I said, you played really well. You had 24 points, and, and I put the stat sheet away real quick here, but you also had uh, six rebounds and six assists, so another solid game by you uh, in a winning effort. Um, just curious, kind of real quick, um, is it more kind of day-by-day day right now to know whether you're going to play – later in the week or is it just kind of you know like I said just kind of taking everything day by day right now
2: yeah I mean as with you know the past two seasons really it is just day by day you never know what what tomorrow brings um for our program or for the program that we play so um it's it's hard to really look too far ahead obviously we'll prepare for Iowa on Sunday if the time comes but right now we're just focused on you know practice tomorrow and um Really, just what's ahead of us for the next day instead of
1: looking you know weeks in advance that does bring a question I was thinking about. as you guys travel, do you like purdue probably a travel by bus for that game?
2: Yes, yeah, we travel do you do
1: day. you fly to places like Iowa to the air places in the big Ten do you normally fly?
2: Yeah, we normally um private charter, so we're kind of spoiled by that. get <laughs> um, the night before game and then fly back right after the game. so. Um, it, it's it's really nice um, and very convenient for sure.
1: That is nice. So Grace, that's really all the time or all the questions I had for you. Is there anything you'd like to to talk about or wrap up with?
2: No, I mean I think um, just want to thank everyone for supporting the show, but more importantly for supporting our team. Um, and, and the turnout for our games have been great. I mean, mm. we really do appreciate that so much. You know our six and zero start, our historical start in Big Ten play is not possible without without the fans and their support. So. Um, just, you know, as usual, we we'll keep urging them to come out in games and, and support our team. Um, and yeah. Yeah,
1: and I hope you stay healthy and hope the other kids who may be having some some health issues get, and injury issues get back as quick as they can. But because we, we enjoy watching you and the IU, IU women play, and it's such a fun team to watch. Just like yesterday, to me, was really what this team's all about. You guys just – Battle, You don't ever give up. And and I think that speaks volumes about you and Allie and Alexa and Mackenzie, Nikki, the veteran leadership on this team.
2: Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot to us.
1: Yeah. So that'll do it for this episode of the Grace Berger Show on Assembly Call on the Back Home Network. For Grace Berger, I'm Jeff Marlowe. Until we talk again, remember, go Hoosiers.